here at Bible Church, and um, I'd like to welcome up Laura. She's got a couple announcements, and then we got Mike sharing after that. Good morning, church. My name is Laura Osnes, and I'm coming to you this morning um, as a board member for Foster the Sierras. Um, I wanted to read you this verse to start um, about one of the most beautiful things I feel like we have um, as Christians. Um, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now listen to this part. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Um, so God has adopted us into his family, and that is one of the most beautiful things that um, fostering and fostering to adopt does. Um, if you guys aren't aware, there's 56,000 kids in foster care in California alone. That's a lot. Think about truckies, only 16,000 people. Um, and the top two reasons that kids are in foster care is because of abuse and neglect. So these kids need the love of Jesus um, desperately in their lives. Um, so what does Foster the Sierras do? Um, they provide monthly support meetings um, for um, families who are currently fostering, are fostering to adopting, or who are thinking about the process. Um, they provide things like car seats, high chairs, formula, um, house check help. Um, you have to go through a pretty rigorous certification pro process to be um, certified. Um, and so I just want you to um, think about Foster the Sierras as we're kind of in the giving season. Um, giving Tuesday is this coming Tuesday. And I would ask you to consider um, writing a check to Sierra Bible Church and putting Foster the Sierras in the memo line. Um, normally, um, we're able to organize something like a golf tournament or a burrito feed or something to raise money throughout the year. And because of COVID, that didn't happen this year. Um, so I would just ask you to think about that um, as you're thinking about giving. Um, and then that relates to, if you're a woman, I hope you received this as you came in. The Women's Christmas Luncheon is this Saturday. Um, today is your last day to sign up. So please um, go to the info booth afterwards if you um, want to sign up and come. Um, and then what's cool about this in relation to Foster the Sierras is that in lieu of gifts this year, um, the women are um, gifting Foster the Sierras with money um, as well. So um, please consider that um, as, you're, as you're thinking about the end of the year. Thank you, guys. Hey, everybody. So, pretty crazy times we're in right now. Everybody agree? Yeah? Ephesians 5, uh, 15 and 16 says, uh, be, uh, or, um, <laughs> Jesus, that's the answer. No. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So, uh, and he also, Paul also says in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, he says, be very careful then how you live um, and uh, make the most of every opportunity. So this is an opportunity to you men out there. If you're in a mag right now, raise your hand because I know that there are some guys that are in the men's accountability groups. Yes. So this is your opportunity. Uh, come find me after church. So the mag groups are men's accountability groups. They meet uh, various times throughout the week. 
So I plug guys in based on their availability and their schedules. And it's based off of 2 Timothy 4.2, which is preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And so we get together, we go through the word, we pray for each other, we lift each other up, we share each other with each other the things we're struggling with, because we need that. In this time, we need to be leaders, men. We need to be uh, prepared. We need to highly value this word. First uh, Peter uh, 5, 6 through 11 is this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, gosh. Oh, I'm nervous for the second service. I know. <laughs> There's more people. Um, uh, submit yourself. Oh, gosh. Somebody help me. Goodness gracious. I'm sorry. He had it down for a service. I do. And I always do. Down. Humble yourself. <laughs> I'll find it here. It's uh, 1 Peter 5. 6 through 11, humble yourselves, therefore, and God, resist. Yes, no, yeah, cast all your, I know him because he cares for you. You know, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of struggles. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So we've all seen the uh, National Geographic, uh, you know, where you see the lion going after the wildebeest, right? And he's sitting there waiting to, to, to pounce, right? Well, he does, and, and they pounce on what? The one that's wayward, the one that has strayed from the flock. He's the vulnerable one. So if you're not in a group, whether it's a community group or a men's accountability group, then you are vulnerable. You are that stray. And I'm telling you, you can think, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Maybe I should, I should join. It's, it's, it, you can say, oh, it's either reason or an, an, an excuse. I would submit that it's an excuse. And I'm telling you, you need to be in a group. Um, and then I wanted to share with everybody, I, even though I kind of botched my memory verses that <laughs> I do every single day, um, Memorize his word. Like, we are to know this word. Write it around your heart. Fasten it around your neck. How does a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Chuck Swindoll has a quote that, listen to it, and I'm telling you that I am an example of this quote and how powerful the word of God can change your life. It's this. I know of no other single practice in the Christian life that's more rewarding practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. That's right. No other single discipline is more useful and rewarding than this. No other single exercise pays greater, greater dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and more, much more effective. Your counseling will be in demand. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced, and your faith will be solidified. So I encourage you to, if you're questioning, you're like, huh, how do I start? Please seek me out. Like, I want to help anybody that wants to memorize Scripture. Uh, and find me after church. Like, there's an app that I, it's a free app. 
Like, ditch Facebook and Instagram and get on this app. It'll, it will put that, his word on your heart and so, not, so that it's not you speaking, but the Lord speaking. Use whatever gifts you have received in the Lord to faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms. So, men, find me. Get plugged into a group. And anybody that wants to know how to memorize his word, uh, I'm telling you, I, I want to I be there to help you. So, anyway, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Would you please turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15? <clears throat> Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Ephesians 5, 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to, the one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's word. Lord, I pray that we would come with expectation to hear from you, that your word does not return void. It is always producing in us the image of Christ, Lord. You're drawing us near to yourself, and you're causing us to look and act and be more like Jesus. And I pray that we would come with an expectation of that this morning. It's so easy. <laughs> Most of us show up here pretty defeated a lot of the time and pretty self-absorbed with how bad we're doing, but that's not your heart here. You love us and you delight that we are in your house and wanting to spend time with you and to hear from you. And, and you take great joy in us, Lord, because of Jesus. So I pray you bless us this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and, and we, we eagerly expect and await to hear from you your spirit would be upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> the days are evil. Be wise. Understanding what God's will is for you. I have a lot of, um, I th and I think we all fall into this, this trap, but we have a lot of um, misconceptions of who God is, subconsciously speaking. Um, we kind of just live our days thinking that he's out to get us, that he's judging us, or that we show up to church and we just feel bad about the, like, okay, uh, this morning I left early. I left before like 6.30 to get here and get ready and stuff, and I still yelled at my kids. You got to be a special kind of stupid to yell at your kids. I mean, normally you're like out the door before you even see them at that point, but I am a special kind of dumb because I still managed to yell at my kids this morning and I'd asked them to be quiet three times, and my wife's pregnant, trying to sleep, was up all night. And the fourth time, my daughter slammed the door, like, with her brother's head in it. And, like, I was like, what are you doing? And I was instantly like, yeah, I'm full of the Spirit. Doing great. <laughs> I'm going to go preach this morning. Awesome. And I had to walk through this teaching I'm giving you myself. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to stand on this. This is, God delights in me. He desires a relationship with me. He does not... 
look at me the way I think he does. He, he looks at me as his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And Jesus talks about how you know, we are to shine our lights out into this world and be a witness to it. And oftentimes, I do not roll out of the bed thinking that I carry the light of the world. I, don't, I never <laughs> actually roll out of bed thinking that. <laughs> um, but it's, that's what Jesus said that we are, that we are his hands and feet in this world. I think of like the Israelites, how the Lord sent them into the promised land to claim the ground that he gave them, and, and they didn't ever fully claim all the land that they were, that they were given. I think of how we're supposed to live this life and how much we're supposed to enjoy the Lord. And I think of it as land that we're supposed to claim because it's been given to us. It's a title that we're supposed to um, enjoy because of Jesus. You know, that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation, God's beloved children. And so hopefully this morning, um, we learn to enjoy him more. That's, that's what I'm hoping, that our vantage point would change and we would enjoy the Lord more. With that, okay, can we pick it up in uh, verse 18 of Ephesians 5? He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Drunk with wine could be filled in with a lot of different stuff. It's not just talking about alcohol. It's how, how you manage your pain. <laughs> How do you deal? I mean, a lot of us, I mean, we're guilty of Netflix being the way we manage stress. And I just got to chill out. I'm going to just, you know, well, maybe not your generation, but my generation is like, I have, I have youth kids who go, uh, like, what were you doing Friday? I was working. Where do you work? I work at Netflix. Eight hours a day, four, uh, five days a week, 40 hours. <laughs> and they, they, they joke that Netflix, watching Netflix is their job. Um, but we have all these ways of numbing ourselves and dealing with our pain and Alcohol being a very like good description of that. I didn't. I never um, really drank until I was like 28 years old, and it was a great life choice. But uh, it was a really interesting moment because I was very aware of what was happening to me. I, me and my wife had had a really really bad day. We almost burnt our house down. A whole bunch of smoke damage in in our house, and we we thought that we could scrub the the smoke um, oils off the ceiling and walls. So I'm like mopping the house, and that doesn't work. Just so you know, you have to get Kills Primer and just put it over it. Like, do one wipe and then Kills Primer over everything in case the similar thing happens to you. Anyway, so my parents took the kids that night, and we just went home and basically cried and nursed our wounds. But I went and got a, uh, an IPA, like a double IPA for the first time. It was a bigger one. I'm a big guy, but it was a bigger one. And my wife got a wine spritzer, and I, I just remember I was so aware of how my focus just got very narrow. All the peripheral went away. And um, I'm bringing all this up for a reason. <laughs> Why is Caleb talking about this so much? Paul brought it up. <laughs> He's talking about being drunk and, and the spirit, and there's a similarity between the two, and there's a contrast um, between the two. The similarity, well, let's start with the contrast, sorry, because um, that's what I'm talking about. The, the contrast is alcohol has this amazing effect to narrow your peripheral. You can't see everything else. You can't even feel the, um, the peripheral things. And I was very aware of like, wow, that stress just 
went away. <laughs> this is why people like this. And I was like, this is why people are alcoholics. Like, this is powerful. And then I woke up at one in the morning, it was all back. I was like, this is awful. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the contrast is alcohol narrows your field of focus. This Holy Spirit opens you up. It helps you see more, not just horizontally, but vertically as well. You're aware of so many more things. And, and so that's the contrast between the two. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't narrow your field of focus. Numb yourself with all the things of this world, whether it be alcohol, Netflix, fill in the blank the way you like to try and numb your pain and manage it. And we're all very good at managing pain. We have a lot of options in the U.S. Be filled with the Spirit. The, The commonality between the two is they both make you brave. Alcohol is served at weddings, so people will dance. (laughs) because they need some bravery. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's even called liquid courage, right? But being filled with the Spirit makes you brave as well. Be filled with the Spirit is a term that in some ways can kind of carry a lot of baggage or a lot of footnotes, a lot of mental pictures. And I... There's a lot of other things that that, is con- that idea is connected to. I kind of want to focus in on the main job of the Holy Spirit and what it's doing in our lives. And if you look at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, would you turn there? Romans 8, 15. The working of the Holy Spirit in our lives causes us to enjoy and experience an intimate relationship with the Father. That's the main purpose and job and what the Holy, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what it's really doing. There's a lot of other things to it um, and, and really great things, but this is the main thing. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, I've always, you know, heard that translated daddy. And Timothy Keller does a really great job. He's like, no, that is not what it's translated to. Daddy is the language of a manipulative child wanting something from the father. It is translated better, uh, uh, dada. Because that's the language of a baby who just wants dad, wants the neck, just wants to be here, in here, you know? And I like that a lot. That what the Spirit's doing in your life, the filling of God's Spirit in your life, it's most important function, and what it's doing is it's changing something within you on a very primal level so that you cry out, Abba, Father, I just want you. Nothing from you, you yourself. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's all other kinds of things and ways that we enjoy the Lord, but that's the pinnacle. That's, the, that's where it's focused in on. That you would, something's changed inside of you. That when you're going through it, when you're yelling at your kids in the morning, you cry out, Dada, I need you because I don't got the juice. I don't, got a, I don't have it in me. I need you. There's a very similar passage to this that Paul, um, in Colossians 3.16, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly, sorry, dwell in you richly, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's a, and then it talks about submission right after that. It's, it's a pattern that Paul talks about in these two different places of scripture. It's worship, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It is thankfulness and it's submission. Those three things. And I think they're very practical, three steps for us to take to enjoy relationship with the Lord, to have a better perspective and see him more clearly and understand what's going on, that our, we're not um, limiting how much we can see and feel and think um, and experience, but we are expanding it, and not just horizontally, but vertically. So continue with me in Ephesians 5. Um, I, and, but what I wanted to touch on was, you know, instead of saying... Um, be filled with the Spirit. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, it's this idea that the word made flesh, Jesus, is there's this richness of relationship. There's a nearness and a closeness. That is what the Spirit is doing. So let's look at uh, verse 19 of Ephesians 5. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This is really cool because it's this throughout the Bible, um, even in the book of Psalms, music and, and worship and the Psalms, they're very much horizontal, like singing psalms to one another and making melody to the Lord. It's horizontal and then all of a sudden vertical. And if you read through the Psalms, the psalmists are like talking to the people and then in the next verse, like talking to the Lord. I knew a guy who did this. His name was Harry Roach. He was the godliest man I've ever known. And when I met Harry, he was like 96 years old and he was like bent over. He would always give you like pieces of gum and, and he would come and talk to you on a Sunday and he would then talk to God as he talked to you like God was right there. And it was the most authentic, real thing. And it, my favorite thing to do on Sundays um, this was at a church I served in Auburn at. And uh, Harry would see some young guy who had never been to church, all tatted up, and Harry would hobble over to him and grab him <laughs> and hold onto his elbow, and he'd start talking to the guy, and he would just be loving on him, and he would be uh, talking to the kid and talking to the Lord, and Harry would always kiss you on the cheek. And I've never had uh, a man kiss me on the cheek, but when Harry did it, you felt the love of God. And it was a very cool thing to watch like non-believers coming to church and they're like, here it comes. And there it goes. And he kissed them. And then you watch them kind of get really uncomfortable. And then they just, they don't even know how to comprehend it. But even like the spirit of God working through Harry was expanding them and opening them up. And you just watch their eyes and they're like, I don't even know what I'm experiencing, but this is real. And it was a cool thing to watch. It was a really, really neat thing. Um, but Harry was very good at talking horizontally to people and then talking to God. Worship music, I mean, so many of our songs, there's, we're singing to each other, talking about the goodness of God, and then the very next verse, we're talking to the Lord and, and how good he is. The angels do this in Isaiah 6. If you want to turn to Isaiah 6 with me, um, there's a neat picture of the angels doing this. In Isaiah 6, 1, I'll give you one more second. Isaiah 6, chapter 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. How cool, I mean, it's easy to miss that, but the angels are crying out to each other that God is holy. And it's, so it's like almost like from their different perspectives that, you know, you have an angel, mighty, powerful, terrible, awesome creatures that God has created with six wings. They, God is so holy that they have to cover their face with their wings. They have to cover their feet and they have to fly because the ground is too holy. His presence is too much. And they proclaim holy, holy, holy all the time. But it's, they're saying it to each other. So from over here, he is holy, holy, holy. And, and the angel from over here, his perspective from over here where I'm at, he is holy, holy, holy. And that's how they are interacting with each other. And what's cool about this is in verse four, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. An inanimate stone object was moved by the praising of the Lord. This is a neat thing. Like if we think about our hard hearts or the hard hearts of our, the people around us, your praising the Lord can soften hard hearts next to you. If these inanimate stone heavenly objects, which I'm sure are very well built, if that can be moved, then our hard hearts can be moved by the praising of your worship blesses your neighbor. It softens their heart and it helps them enjoy God. It helps them get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. That is so cool. And then he talks about, you know, in Ephesians, he talks about, uh, you know, making melody with your heart to the Lord. It's a choice to sing passionately to him. And I know... A lot of times when we experience music, we're like, well, I just don't like this song. I'm just not into it. I just, I don't want to sing. The Bible's telling you, you want to experience, you want to enjoy God. You want to experience his glory. You want the word of Christ to dwell richly in you. Sing passionately. Choose to do that. Choose to sing with your heart. Sometimes it helps to, um, to physically do something, like to get on your knees or raise your hands, like, I give up, I surrender. I don't got it. I need you. Or, um, Lord, I, I need you. You have your hands open wide. Or kind of like the posture of a kid, like to their dad, I just, I want to be picked up. You know? Would you hold me? Posture, physical posture can help us enjoy the Lord. It can help change the posture of our hearts. <sighs> Moving into verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. Thanks for everything. I am grateful that I, I don't, part of me does not want to say it, and I'm going to say it out of obedience to Scripture. It says, be grateful for everything. I'm thankful for COVID because, and I, I, I can say that because you guys sing more passionately. 
A year ago, I'd hear, te- I'd hear people in the congregation during worship talk about their grocery list or where they were going shopping. And in the last couple of weeks, worship has meant something different to us as a body. And that's really neat. That's really special. And that's just one thing that I can see. And we're supposed to be grateful for things that we don't understand, you know? To really have the heart of that verse is like, I'm grateful for the things even if I don't get it. It's not easy. Gratefulness is, uh, is very, very important. Romans chapter 1 says this, verse 21 through 23. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You can't be Switzerland when it comes to gratefulness. There's no like zero. You're either in the negative or you're in the positive. You're going to have to pick a side. You know, it's like either you're going to serve the Lord or you will serve the enemy. There's no neutral. Either you will be thankful or you will be ungrateful. And I could talk so much about it, but instead of that, I'd love to just, um, and I, hear me on this, I feel a little like um, nervous doing this. I don't have the uh, enough like clout to ask this of you, but um, I want to spend the next couple of minutes in like a corporate prayer time where I'm, I'm asking you guys that you would pray out loud with me, thanking the Lord. And I, I also ask this, please, please hear me on this. These prayers need to be kept very simple. We're going to move through three different movements of prayer. The first will be that we are going to thank the Lord for little things that we have. I'm thankful for my shoes. I'm thankful for clean water. Lord, thank, and, and I, I would ask you that you keep your prayers to, Lord, thank you for blank. And that's it. Don't explain it. Um, don't get into great detail. Just very simple, concise. Lord, thank you for clean water. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for my whatever. And then after that, we'll, we'll move into the second movement and we'll thank the Lord for things he has done. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for coming after me. Simple, very short prayers. They do not need explanation. This is for him. And the third movement, we'll thank the Lord for what he has, uh, sorry, for who he is. That he is our healer and our friend and our father. And so I'll, I'll kind of let you know when we're moving into the next section, but I ask that you would speak loudly and clearly. And um, the next point on this is submission. And you're not submitting to me. It's to the word of God. And we are commanded so much in the New Testament to give thanks. And just having celebrated Thanksgiving, I don't know a more holy and wonderful thing that we can do as the body of Christ than just come together and thank him. So please keep it short. Um, and again, the first movement, we will thank the Lord for the little things in our lives. Let's begin.
We'll take the next. <laughs> we'll take the next couple of minutes and thank the Lord for things that He has done. Let's thank the Lord for who he is.
Lord, thank you that you are a shield about our hearts and minds. You are the great lover of our soul. You are our captain and our king, our father and friend. Lord, thank you that you are our healer, our provider, our joy. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can talk a lot about gratefulness, but it's just better to do it. It's much better to just do it. Thank you for, that can go really bad. <laughs> that can just be cricket. So thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Um, it's so encouraging to hear from, the, from one another what you're thankful for. It's so good to hear from others, you know, when you sing. If you ever have the opportunity or the, the, to, to lead worship, the best part is when you just are overwhelmed by the voices of the people in the audience. It's, it's so sweet. It's just like, it's like an ocean wave coming on you, you know, if you stand in the surf and you just, boom, it's so good. Um, my, one of my favorite experiences I've ever had is leading worship at a junior high camp and watching junior hires proclaim God's truth, like, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God, and they sing it passionately. It's, those are some of the best moments of my entire life. It's so sweet. It's so good. And it causes me to enjoy the Lord. Third point, verse 21 of Ephesians 5, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And singing songs is fun. Being thankful is great. Submission. Nobody likes submission. And I do not envy Pastor Jesse's job at all. You know why? Because junior hires and high schoolers submit a lot better than adults do. Adults just lead and move churches. <laughs> Get lost in the, the hustle and bustle in the void. We don't like to submit. I don't like it. Nobody does. It's not an enjoyable experience. But it, um, it is probably one of the greatest ways for you to change your vantage point, for you to reach your potential, for you to know Jesus. I think of like a really practical example of this is learning how to read for me was full of tears and it was awful. I hated it. I hated learning to read. Um, I'm watching my kids learn to read right now and they're doing a lot better than I did. <laughs> but... Um, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of submission in the beginning. And I could have never known the joy that reading would have, what was going to give me at that moment in time. And, and so often that's the case. As we submit to the Lord, we have no idea how good it is on the other side. Um, stealing all of this next bit from Timothy Keller because it's really good. But I told you so, it's all right. Um, talks about like if a little kid, a little boy breaks his toy truck and he starts crying. If you go to that little boy and say, you've just inherited $2 million, Tommy, he doesn't care. Because his vantage point is wrong. The problem is not his truck. It's his vantage point. He does not know how to comprehend what inheriting $2 million means um, and how great that is. And then he takes the, the analogy a little bit further. Can you imagine what you wanted in life at five years of age? Like what you wanted to be and how like your dream life would have been at 
age five. At age five, I wanted to be a fire truck. Not a fireman, a fire truck. I thought it had been awesome. <laughs> uh, fighting fires and driving around. Yep. <laughs> at age 10, it changed a lot because my vantage point changed, right? My desires at age 10 is I wanted to be a pyrotechnic. All boys love fire. <laughs> um, at age 20, I, I did want to go into the ministry, but I had all different kinds of ideas of how and where and when. And, but now at age 30, my, my desires are very different now. I, at age 30, I just want to be a really good dad, and I'm, I can tell that I'm not the dad I want to be. I'm not enough like Jesus. But I imagine that in the next 10 years, my desires will have changed dramatically again, and at age 50, again. And so what, what Timothy Keller is saying, that if you knew everything God knew, you would ask for exactly what he has given you today. If you had God's vantage point, if you could see what he sees, you would ask for exactly what you have. That's how you submit. That's submission. I trust you, Lord. You have the best vantage point. In that submission, we ascend. Jesus himself went through this process. If you look at Philippians, turn to Philippians chapter 2, please, verse 4. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, this is really interesting. Verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him. Because of his submission, his obedience, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And so that the name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whoa. It's a really weird thought to think of an eternal being being raised up. I don't know how that happens and what's going on there, but it's awesome. And if, if it's something that Jesus is going through, that through his submission and he's being exalted and expanded and raised up, his vantage point is changing. That's, that's what's happening for us. Jesus was able to submit because of his vantage point as well. When it, you know, it says that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. His vantage point was the joy that was set before him. So this being filled with the Holy Spirit, the word of God richly dwelling within you, enjoying God, experiencing his glory, all kind of the same heading, it is so that you would enjoy God more, have a different vantage point, be able to see more clearly, be expanded both horizontally and vertically. And these are simple things that you and I can do. We understand what it means to sing passionately, to sing with our hearts. We can do that. Oftentimes, I'm sure some of you don't want to. There's times I don't want to. But you can choose to do that. And you guys know how to give thanks. We just did it. It's something that you can very easily make yourself do. 
And you know what submission is. <laughs> you don't like it. <laughs> but if you go through those first two steps, help change your vantage point, help shift the way you're seeing things and who's in charge and what you already have been given. Submission then becomes a little bit more palatable. And then when you look at Jesus, then it can even become desirable. It can become an advantageous opportunity to know him more. Um, you know, a, a lot of different... Um, I've had moments in my life, quite a few moments in my life where I just had, my vantage point was opened up and I, I felt like I just got a glimpse of heaven, just a whoop, <laughs> quick glimpse. And in those moments, I've, I've been overwhelmed with two thoughts um, and feelings and, and it's even more than thought. It's like this spiritual thing that um, is foreign to my mind, but that God is the heaviest thing, that he is the most important thing, that he is the Lord. And, and at the same time, being totally aware of that being aware of how much he loves me and how much he loves everyone and just how good he is. Those two things just, whoa. And I've had definite, like, God has given me glimpses of that in my life. Um, definitely times that were, you know, often were, I was struggling, I was hurting. And people describe those moments as being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. But God was helping me enjoy him, to see him, to interact in relationship with him. I think, uh, uh, I think it's John Newton who, he talks about walking down the road with, uh, he talks about a man walking down the road with his son. And there's a lot of different kinds of relationship happening. You can walk down the road with your son and there is a physical relationship that that man helped create that boy. Um, there's a legal relationship that you know, there's a birth certificate out there somewhere that that kid belongs to him, that he is his father. Um, but it's a really different thing for them to walk down the road, for him to turn, pick his son up, hold him close, put him into his neck, and kiss him and say, I love you, son. In you, I am well pleased. And that's the best description of being filled with the Holy Spirit I can think of. It's experiencing God's love in, it, in, his, in a relationship with him. And there are definite moments when God has picked me up, propped me into his neck and told me he loved me. And I understood how, how much it's all about him. Um, my pastor used to say, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not getting more of the Spirit. It's not like, it's not like you get more of, of something. It's that the Holy Spirit has you. You're surrendered to it. You've submitted to it. You've given yourself completely over to this. And that honestly happens a lot in our lives, right? A continual letting go and giving our lives over to him. Three easy steps. We can choose to do these things. It's not, it's not mystical, but it does reveal mysteries, you know? So, Father, help us to walk in these things, Lord, to enjoy you, Father, that the word of Christ would dwell richly among us and you would... I just love that image of the angels singing to one another. You're holy, Lord. You're holy, holy. Every way we look at you, Lord, you're holy. Like no other. I pray that this, this body, Lord, that you'd help us to, to fan each other's flames, Lord.
in our obedience to you, we would um, raise each other up and bless your name, Lord. Soften each other's hearts by our praises, Lord, and our, our thankfulness. Or we would be sensitive to your spirit and what you're, you're leading us to do, Lord. We would have a love for your word. We would submit to your word and just we'd, we'd be good at spending time reading and studying your word, memorizing it. And Lord, you would, uh, you would open us up. We would see clearly let's, what's going on around us with our brothers and sisters. And we would see you more clearly, Lord, and how you matter the most and you love us so much. Lord, I pray that you would move greatly in our hearts, Lord, that we would be a light in this world, Lord. And we claim that ground that you've given us, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you guys stand with us? We're going to sing one last song together.